0: Hello everyone, and welcome back to Resilient Health Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Darren Ingalls, And I think one of the most important things that happens with any kind of chronic illness is this element of inflammation. And you can trace pretty much any anything, from neurological disease, to heart disease, to diabetes, obesity, to some element of inflammation. So you guys are going to love my guest today. Dr. Elena Villanueva is one of the most engaging leaders in functional medicine. I've known her now for several years, and she's an expert on inflammation, mastering trauma, really two of the toughest underlying and often hidden causes of chronic illness. So you guys are definitely going to stick around for today's talk. So Dr. Elena, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Darren. I'm really glad to be here and talk about such a relevant topic.
0: So maybe we just start out talking a little bit about inflammation. You know, this is a natural process, right? You know, we want inflammation to a certain degree because this is part of how the body heals. But talk maybe a little bit about when does inflammation go awry?
1: Inflammation, you're right. It's it's a necessary part of the healing process. In fact, you know, uh, Inflammation to a degree, whatever, you know, certain types of it can even be considered a type of like hormesis. Like it's actually really good for you and can actually slow the aging process down and different things like that. But when it becomes a problem is when it becomes out of control, when it's not being used for its original intention of the healing process. So when you have it chronically, when it's all the time uh, being caused from something outside of the normal healing process.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I think what a lot of we've all had the experience of inflammation, right? We jammed our toe, you know, we hit our hand or whatever. And, you know, we get the typical, you know, pain or maybe sometimes some redness and swelling. Are there other, you know, symptoms of inflammation that people really may not be aware, aware of?
1: Oh, absolutely. One of the biggest ones that people are not aware of is weight gain. A lot of people will hold on to weight for years thinking that it was fat weight when in fact it was inflammation and a really good example of this and you know we see this consistently with practically all of our case studies that we do and we do case studies on every single client that we have um they will lose between 15 and sometimes upwards of 28 30 pounds in a month in their first month of working with us and it it has nothing to do with really fat loss. It's a loss of inflammation and people are amazed. They're like, I can't believe how much weight I've lost in a month. Um, I didn't know how much inflammation I had in my body. And so I would say the very first one that a lot of people are not aware of is the that those, you know, extra pounds that you're carrying on your body, it may not be fat. Oftentimes it's inflammation, especially if you've been sick and not sealing well. Well, it's very, very likely that it's inflammation. Headaches can be another one. Um, Skin, your skin just not looking very good, not looking healthy, and your hair being dry. That can be another sign of inflammation. Brain fog can be a sign of inflammation. GI issues, gut issues can be a sign of inflammation. Um, But then sometimes people are just not aware of their bodies. You know, a lot of people are super disconnected with their physical body. And they don't even notice that they're having symptoms, uh, much less symptoms of inflammation.
0: Right. So inflammation is really a biomarker, saying, "Hey, body, there's a problem here. You know, something we need to deal with." And you're right. I think we we overlook these these symptoms that it's very easy to write off that. Oh, maybe there's something else going on. I mean, I love that you use the example of weight gain. I mean, I can remember I had a patient in my clinic who, over the course of six months, lost over fifty pounds with just making dietary changes, she was getting so much inflammation in her gut from what she was eating. And once she made those diet changes, you know, she didn't exercise anymore. She wasn't doing anything else different in her lifestyle, but it's all that water weight, that water retention that inflammation creates. And once she she said, she was like, yeah, I'm peeing, you know, like a racehorse and I'm just peeing all that fluid off. I'm like, right, because now, you know, the inflammation is going down, you're metabolically changing and now you're able to finally, you know, drop all that weight. But you know these subtle cues of inflammation get get overlooked so often. you know I mean, if someone has a neurological disease, you know inflammation in the brain, you know, like you said, you know headaches, brain fog, it can be neuropathy, it can be balance problems, coordination issues, sleep disturbances, mood changes. You know, it seems like there's just a million different symptoms associated with inflammation, so you know I, I guess maybe the uh the questions beg then you know how do we how do we necessarily know that we have inflammation you know if you're not really tuned into your body again if we can't see like you know the stub toe or the swollen elbow you know how can we how can we measure this how can we figure out if that's part of what's going on internally
1: you know one of the best indicators of whether or not you have inflammation is how do you feel do you have any type of symptom any type of condition any type of disease because if you do chances are you have inflammation, you know, like 99% chance, because I think there's probably only maybe one or two diseases out there that are not, that are not caused from chronic inflammation, like, you know, leading them right into a disease, a condition, or a symptom. So if you haven't been well, if you have any type of chronic symptom, condition, or disease, you pretty much it's a, it's a, it's a strong bet that you've got inflammation in your body.
0: So, you know, do you have a differentiation between, you know, acute inflammation, chronic inflammation and in terms of, you know, when you're approaching a, a client, you know, do you think of it in that ways or is it just kind of like inflammation is inflammation and at the end of the day, it's really all the same thing?
1: I think that there's a difference um, in some cases. It depends on the context that we're talking about, right? So earlier we started off the whole conversation about talking about how inflammation is a normal process, and it's a healthy process, except for when it gets out of control. So, you know, acute inflammation could be just part of a normal healing process. And it is a part of a normal healing process. If you stub your toe, you're going to have what's called acute inflammation. However, and that's a part of the healing process, and that's okay. It it has to. Uh, Or if you cut your finger, and then you put the Band-Aid on it, and then you peel the Band-Aid off the next day, and it's it's sore and it's a little red and swollen. That's inflammation. It's a part of your body's healing process. But there are times, so depending on the context, right? There are times when you can have acute inflammation that's not good for you uh, because it's 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 just uh, it's adding to the chronic inflammation. So a good example would be you have some severe gut issues, whatever it is, whatever the diagnosis, whatever the condition, it doesn't even matter. But it, you've got some sort of severe chronic gut issue. That tells us right away, we don't even have to look at a test for that, that you've had chronic inflammation. It's been there a long time. However, you're probably doing things unknowingly every day that's causing acute inflammation. So for example, you already have road rash inside the gut. It's already hot and gross and just like raw inside. It's all inflamed because it's been like that for years uh, because of the things that you've been eating, for example. Well, you go to the doctor. and The doctor gives you steroids or whatever to try to calm it. But you keep having that glass of milk before bed because you think that's healthy. I get my protein and my vitamin D and my calcium. i got to have that glass of milk before bed. Well, every time you have that at night, you're causing another fire. You're starting another fire on top of the embers that have been burning in your GI tract for years now. You're lighting a new fire every night when you put in that milk in your gut before bed. So that's an example of acute inflammation, but it, it, it stays chronic. Like it stays there because you keep doing the milk every night before bed. So it never has to, the embers never have a chance to burn out.
0: Yeah, it's such a great point, because I think, you know, again, understanding that process of how we have these repeated insults, you know, that come on and on. I think of it too, and even in cases of like allergies, you know, if you're allergic to pollen, every time you breathe in a big, you know, waft of pollen, you know, your nose gets swollen, you can't breathe through your nose, you feel the congestion, you get the drippy Uh, post-nasal drip. And it's just that repeated ongoing exposure. So I guess that kind of segues into, you know, what are some of the things that you see as being some of the biggest triggers of inflammation? And I know that's probably a whole hour long conversation, but.
1: Well, it's actually a five part series. So our (laughs) masterclass uh, that is getting ready to launch uh, goes five days, day by day, taking the The viewer and the listener are on a really, really deep dive into the science behind all of the most common root causes of chronic inflammation that leads to all the diseases. Um, and then we teach, and then we show case studies before and after with labs and symptom sheets on different clients that we've had from around the world, and um, what what was causing their inflammation and how we took them through the process of removing all the barriers to healing that was causing the inflammation and in their diseases, symptoms, and conditions, and how they got better. And, and so, but boiling it down for you here, at for the listener, uh, there, there are, we should found, through our testing, we've done thousands and thousands of labs all around the world, uh, clients in 18 different countries, we have found that there are some common denominators when it comes to what are the root causes of inflammation, of all this uh, and all of these diseases, conditions, and symptoms associated with it. And that's food, environmental chemical toxins, heavy metal toxins, mold toxins. We call those mycotoxins. Um, And then, of course, you've got EMS can do that as well. Um, And then we have medications, believe it or not. Medications are great for saving lives. Oh, my God. It's amazing what we've been able to do in the pharmaceutical industry with literally saving a life. But medications, they don't cure anything. They're just covering up the symptom, allowing the, thing, allowing the issues to get worse. And a lot of medications actually cause more inflammation. Um, a lot of people will say, well, leaky gut causes it, but I'm going back a step further than that, right? It's all of these toxins that I've just mentioned are causing leaky gut, which is spiraling into more inflammation. But then we've got the final ones. And this is something that a lot of people are not even aware of. Your thoughts, your emotions, and, uh, you know, un- unprocessed emotions, um, unresolved trauma, and your thoughts and belief systems can also cause a cascade of chemical changes in your body leading to chronic inflammation. And so those are the things that we find are the most common underlying causes.
0: Yeah. And I might add infection to that list as well. You know, I see uh, yeah. a lot of people with, you know, whether it's Lyme disease, you know, Epstein-Barr activation, chronic strep. But uh, again, I think that awareness that there are so many potential triggers. So, you know, for those of you tuning in, you know, you definitely want to work with your hopefully you're working with a functional medicine, naturopathic doctor that can help you sort out all these different root causes, because there are so many, you know, I, I always feel like, you know, we're standing in the center of a wheel and there's all these spokes going out, which seem like different directions. But there's so many things we have to look at because there's so many possibilities of why, in this case, you no know, inflammation can be problematic. And if we just focus in on one thing and ignore all the rest, you know, we're really missing the boat.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for mentioning that. I meant to mention that with the mycotoxins. So bonds that don't play well at our ecosystem. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. I think that there are, are a lot of practitioners out there. Um, who are you know who are taught in a certain manner and they become very laser focused they're down in the weeds and they forget to come up out of the weeds and look in a broader view, and so you know they're always looking for mold or they're always looking just for infections, or oh, everything is h pylori, oh oh, everything is candida or everything is like lime or whatever, when the reality is that when people are chronically sick, at least this is what we've seen, Darren, I don't know if you've seen this too, when people are chronically sick. They have a combination of these underlying causes. It's never just one thing. It's a combination of things. Usually we've got three or more of all the underlying causes I mentioned. We usually have three or more of them going on.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can just say like in my Lyme population, it's almost never just Lyme disease. It's Lyme and mycotoxins, Lyme and trauma, Lyme and something else. So you're right. If if we're really practicing holistic, whole person care, we've got to look at all these different factors. And again, we're also very, you know, individual and unique. And even though there might be 10 people that have the same factors, the degree into which each factor influence each person can also vary pretty widely. So really important that you're having this discussion with your healthcare provider, so that you can really look into these different causes. So I know everyone's thinking you now, it's like, okay, I've got this inflammatory process going on, I feel terrible, you know, I know that you talk about this in your master class, but can you share a little bit maybe like your top three strategies of you know, how do we actually help reduce this inflammation?
1: So reducing the inflammation itself, that's not hard, um, and we will touch on strategies, but I want to hit on something that I think is not talked about enough, and that is setting realistic expectations. You know, we want instant results. And, and oftentimes, you know, as consumers, we'll see things pop up on the internet, um, even from people who are very well-respected, you know, practitioners and doctors. And it'll be like, oh, try this, you know, try this, you know, detox. It'll help reduce inflammation and da-da-da-da-da. But it's like a month long, or maybe it's a 90-day challenge at the most. We have done thousands of case studies. And we see that it takes an average of nine months to get all of these barriers to healing out of the body. I'm talking like toxins, they don't come out and and heavy metals can take longer. So, you know, it it takes time. And so I think that's the most important thing for the listeners to hear is like, look, there are a lot of detoxes out there and they do work, but people are not taking them long enough. When you do the testing and you follow the lab data and like if you were to test every three months, every four months, you'll see You know, when you get your baseline testing, you'll see, oh, I've got these seven chemicals in really high levels. I've got glyphosate. I've got triclosan. I've got, you know, these different plastics. I've got 2,4-D in my body, which believe it or not, that was used in, you know, Agent Orange back in Vietnam it's It's illegal now, but why are we still finding it high levels in people's bodies? It's still being used out there. So you'll see all these toxins, you get your base level in there. I've got these molds, I've got these toxins, I've got these heavy metals, I've got these infections, I've got all this stuff. Oh. Uh, and then infections are probably excluding Lyme. Other infections are, are typically the easiest, like the fastest things, not the easiest, but the fastest things to get out of the body. But when you retest after four months, you, you, you almost always see that the levels appear to be higher. The levels of the toxins that are in your body, I'm not talking infections, I'm talking like mycotoxins, uh, uh, I'm talking about those um, chemical toxins, even heavy metals. You'll tend to see the levels look higher and we want to see that. That means that the detox is working. Stuff is not stuck to your tissues anymore. It's coming out in your urine. And so, yay, it's coming out. Then when you retest again at month eight, you'll typically see, so another four months later, you'll typically see some of the toxins are already gone by then. And then there's a few that are still hanging on that you still need to finish, you know, getting out. And then by month 12, you usually see everything is gone. And so having realistic expectations is good. There are a lot of different types of products with different ingredients that can be used for detoxification. But the key here is time. And then if you can, follow it with some lab data so that you can see that what you're doing is working. And then you have to make sure that you stop exposing yourself. (laughs) Because, you know, you can take, you know, if you're taking a detox regimen and you retest yourself and then you retest yourself again and you're at the eight month mark and you still see those persistent levels and they're not coming down or they've only come down this much, you're doing one of two things. There's only two reasons why that'll happen. One is if you're not taking your stuff like you're supposed to every day, or two, you're still exposing yourself. You're still putting it in your body. You're still, ex- you know, like you're still living in a house full of mold. That's why no matter how much detox you take, you know, you might see it come down this much. It's never going to go away because you're exposing yourself every day. Uh, and so, and so, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the most important thing. Now, as far as as far as strategies that you could use. I think that the best strategy is, if you can do it, if you can afford it, the best strategy is get some lab data. The data doesn't lie. The data is going to give you a starting point and show you where you're at so that you can then go, oh my God, this is why I'm sick. I've got these five toxins. I've just looked online and studied them. And these toxins are all known to cause a lot, almost all these symptoms that I have and these conditions that I have. Oh. Okay, so that's the first strategy. Figure out what is going on in your body. What do you have in your body that's a barrier to healing? What are the toxins in there? They're not allowing your body to heal. So discover first, right? Let's find it. And then the next strategy, the best thing that you could do is remove yourself from those, remove your exposure or reduce your exposure as much as possible. Um, Those are the first strategies that I can tell you that are going to be the most important. And then after that, You know, if you want to learn how to take uh, like what you can take that's natural, that actually works, because there's no pharmaceutical is going to work for this. Only natural stuff works, which I think is pretty cool Um, and because it's safe, too. Then, you know, um, do your research or work with somebody who knows what they're doing and and let them show you how to put a protocol regimen together that's going to work for you so that when you do follow up with your lab testing, you can get the expected results.
0: Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about some of the tests? I mean, I know I have my favorites, but what are some of like the routine labs that you like to run with the people you work with on assessing, you know, what's going on in their body?
1: Yeah. So um, in our model, what It's changed so much. I mean, we have so many evolutions of how we practice If You and I talked about it 10 years ago. We were doing this so different than what we're doing now. You know, always improving as we see what works and and the new technology that comes out there. And, you know, many years ago, I started everybody out with blood, with blood work. And most of my women, it was blood and hormones, right? Then I went into blood hormones and neurotransmitter testing because I love working with brain stuff. As you know, like I once had big brain issues myself and so brain is so huge. And so then I was doing, oh, neurotransmitter. I was running that test on everybody along with their blood work and their hormones. Then I got into the genetic test. So now I'm doing blood work, hormones, uh, um, neurotransmitter tests and genetic testing on everybody. Getting pretty expensive. It's getting up there. Um, then I had this epiphany that I was like, wait a minute. Like the reason why these people are sick is because they have barriers to healing. You see, the body is intelligent. It knows how to heal itself. And in order, it has systems already set up and backup systems and backup systems for the backup systems to self-regulate and self-heal. When it can't get better, we have to sit back and ask ourselves, what is blocking our body's ability to heal? And so once I really started putting it all together in my head and having these epiphanies of, well, we've got all these toxins out there. Um, you know, then I discovered that you could actually test for the toxins. And so then I added those to all the other labs. Well, fast forward, we've had many iterations of how we do things. The first labs that we run on people are the toxin labs before we do anything else. We we already know that their blood is going to show that it's off here and that they have inflammation and that we, and we still do run blood on people, but it's not a requirement in the beginning. I don't run hormones first thing. I don't, I, don't, I barely ever run neurotransmitters anymore. You know, we look at their symptom sheets and their history and we look at their assessment forms, but we start out with what I like to call uh, my tox bundle. So we're looking at environmental chemical toxins. We're looking at heavy metals. We're looking at all the different moles, toxins. And then we're doing an organic acid test, which can give us a clue as to different bacterial types of infections and things like that. So we do that as our first test, as our first, you know, if you're going to come work with us, that's where we're going to start. Will we do anything else in the beginning? That depends, right? Do you want to do it? Does your history and do your symptoms indicate that we should probably do some extra labs? Then we can do that too. But the tox bundle is where we start therein.
0: That's great. Well, it's such an important facet because again, there's so much we're exposed to that we might be unaware of. Again, I run these same panels and it's I'm not surprised anymore because I've run so many of them and you aren't either, but people are surprised and they go, oh my gosh, I had no idea. I had high levels of flame retardant in my my blood or my urine. I'm like, right, because that new mattress you bought and been sleeping on for the last two years is filled with flame retardant. Or, you know, they'll come back with MTBE, some sort of, you know, petrochemical byproduct. You know, I've worked with patients you now in Texas and they live out near the oil fields and they, they get that exposure, even though they're not aware of it. And like you said, the data doesn't lie. It, it gives us those clues to what you've been exposed to and potentially what's adding to your, your biological load. And that also gives us you know treatment strategies that we can employ that are actually going to help lower that body burden, and ultimately that makes your tissues and cells function better. So, get the data. You're right. It's expensive. But, you know, I'm at a point, and I think you are too, that we hate throwing pills at people and see what sticks. We want to know whatever we're treating has a purpose, and that we've got, of course, the way you feel is incredibly important, but having these objective biomarkers that tell us that what we're doing is actually working is incredibly helpful.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, you can easily say that, you know, if you don't have the right information, I mean, you might as well put a blindfold on and throw the dart at the wall and hope that you could hit even hit the target, right? I mean, you're just trying things and. And, and, and you have to keep trying things and trying things. And hopefully you hit the nail on the head right in the beginning. But, but a lot of people, that's where they end up wasting, unfortunately, losing a lot of their money and their time. is because they're trying to do things on their own, uh, thinking that they're going to save money. Well, I'm going to save money. I can't afford these tests. So I'm just going to try this and I'm going to try that. Well, not only have you lost time, because a year, two years, three years, five years later, you're still sick. So, you know, uh, but you've also lost a lot of money because you've tried 10 different things that didn't work, hoping that it would, you know, you end up saving a lot of time and a lot of money if you just, you know, see the value and do whatever you need to do to collect that data so that you know from the beginning exactly what type of plan of action that you need to get yourself better again.
0: I could not agree more. Well, if you guys are tuning in and you're interested, doctor Lena Laina's again got a great five-part masterclass where she walks you through all the aspects of inflammation, understanding core root causes, and then talking about different treatment strategies. So again, we'll drop the link to the masterclass. So Dr. Lena, again, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a really great conversation.
1: Thank you so much, Darren. It's always a pleasure getting to chat with you.